Lord, you are so good and so kind. As we pause in your presence, um, I'm just amazed. Amazed at how you love us, how you pour yourself into us, uh, that you would place your spirit within us and be that close. Um, Lord, would you use this time to cause us to be more like you and to know how to make the choices in following you that we need to make. Strengthen my voice, God. <clears throat> you created everything, so in this moment, I pray that um, you would make it work, but more than that, um, it would be your words, not mine. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Quite a few years ago, <clears throat> my two boys and I went to Florida for a week for, to visit some spring training games. It was in the early days of GPS, and so my son had borrowed a GPS. It, was, it wasn't a phone. It was a regular GPS. Yeah, it took up pretty much the windshield in the front. You attached it, plugged it into the cigarette lighter, put in the coordinates, and then, and then we followed it. And the first day we, we got to the ballpark that we wanted to go to, the next day the ballpark we wanted to go to, and then about the third day in we're following it and we get into rural areas of Florida. I'm thinking, where did they build these stadiums anyway? You know, there are cows, we're seeing cows and fences and and bayous and crocodile, beware crocodile sign. I'm going, where in the world are we? And, and finally, I, we're following the GPS and, and we pull into this driveway and there's one of these big metal gates and the GPS says, you have arrived. <laughs> and, and I looked around and I, I said, are the cows playing baseball today? Andrew, you organized this troop, trip, so what is... There's nothing. There's just fields, nothing. And so we punched in at the address again, thinking that we put it in wrong, and you have arrived. This is it. This is where you're going. It wasn't where we were going. We followed the GPS, and we followed it well. We followed the GPS's directions, but where the GPS took us was not where we wanted to go. And it wasn't even where it said it was. It's important who we follow, because who we follow will cause us to land in a particular place, and it may or, may or may not be where we want to go. We come to a passage in the book of Philippians. Open your Bible there. To Philippians chapter 2, beginning with verse 19. Anybody need a Bible? We got some Bibles in the back we can bring up front. Everybody got it? Philippians chapter 2, <clears throat> beginning with verse 19. Where the Apostle Paul, first of all, talks about Timothy, who is a pastor who had been mentored by Paul. He was his son in the faith, and he, would, he was one of the um, men that he had trained to, to send to other places after Paul had established churches. So Philippians chapter 2, verse 19, he says, 
I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, talking about other leaders, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father he has served with me in the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. And then he talks about another uh, person that appears to be a lay leader from the Philippian church who has been with Paul for a period of time in the Roman jail, having brought supplies from Philippi to Rome to take care of Paul. He says, I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, <laughs> excuse me, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. And later on in the, in the book of Philippians, he's going to talk about how they had provided through Epaphroditus. They had provided what Paul needed. And then in chapter 3, he talks about evildoers, mutilators, those who have confidence in the flesh, false teachers and leaders who are in contrast to Timothy and Epaphroditus. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. Chapter 3, verse 1. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. I, I always find it fascinating because he uses language I would never use. In fact, the governor's word would probably come to me and say, no, don't use those words. Those are not good words. But he uses them because he wants to emphasize something important about those we follow. He wants to, he's, and he's not, he's not gossiping, he's not slandering, he is identifying the truth. He's saying, look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. He's talking about those, in this case, who are preaching, you have to become a Jew before you can become a Christian. So you have to be circumcised in the flesh. You have to have that surgery in order for you to be a Christian. You have to adhere to the law in the Old Testament where Jesus said he had already fulfilled that law. He's saying these are people who are on their own agenda and they're trying to lead people astray. And then he says, for we are the circumcision, the true followers of Christ, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. It's not about works. It's not about, it's about grace. Now, as I, in the past, when I would read through Philippians, I would think, it feels like he's taken kind of a rabbit trail here. Because so far, in our study of Philippians, we've looked... Um, at how he opens up with, 
I, I long for you all because you've been partners with me. That the prison has served to advance the gospel. That to live is Christ and to die is gain. And, and I'm going to choose to stay here so that I can serve you and more people can come to know Christ. And then, he, and then he challenges them to do nothing out of selfish ambition, but to count others more significant. And then he goes in this wonderful passage that we looked at in the last couple of weeks of how Christ emptied himself. And how last week we saw, here are some practical ways for you to empty yourself. No complaining, no arguing, but rather shining like stars in this dark world. Remember last week we talked about the deeper the darkness, the brighter the light can shine. And so he's he, in all of this wonderful teaching. And then it's like, er, let's turn over here and talk about Timothy and Epaphrodites. What in the world is that? But as I've sat with it this last couple of weeks, I've realized he's, he's highlighting something that is absolutely essential. He is saying, here are the kinds of leaders that you need to follow. Because there are a whole lot of leaders, the majority of leaders out there, who are dogs, who are mutilators of the flesh, who are only concerned with their own agenda, and who will take you, if you follow them, to a field where you will die, rather than experience the life that God has for you. So I found it <clears throat> fascinating and interesting. And what he talks about... <clears throat> And, <clears throat> excuse me, quite frankly, <clears throat> we could spend a whole series of messages on what it looks like, what, what the leaders that we ought to follow look like. But we're going to hit the highlights today. Realities that lead to following leaders who follow Christ. This is not an exhaustive list, but it will give you some direction. Number one, we need, the first reality is that we're created to follow. As human beings, that's just the way that we're created. The Bible doesn't talk a lot about that. It just assumes because God created us to, have, to interact in human relationships and um, to follow people. And so from the Old Testament all the way through, you see God appointing leaders to be uh, people who will mediate or represent God to take the people of God where he wants them to go. That's the, we, we are just created to follow. Um, we all follow someone, even when we think we're not following someone. Amen. I find myself, in, and see if this rings true for you, when I have a decision to make, Without even thinking about it, it comes to mind, I wonder what blank would do. When this ministry, I, I've got some people who invested in me that, that were wonderful models as pastors, and it comes to mind, I wonder what Pastor Newell would do here. Sometimes I find, you know, if it's stuff around the house that my dad was always harping at me about, I, I find myself going, I wonder what my dad would do with this. You ever find yourself asking those questions? I mean, that, 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 the bracelet and, you know, WWJD is actually a good direction, even if it's trite. What would Jesus do? But we need people with flesh on to help model it, don't we? That's the way God has designed it. 
The problem is we're not very good at it. We're created to follow, and yet we find ourselves following the wrong kind of people. Um, when I, I know you're you're all very mature and spiritually like Jesus now, but if you ever had to choose another church, or maybe even when you came to this congregation, our natural tendency is to say, I want to find a church that does blank. And what fills in that blank is generally makes me happy. We wouldn't say it that way. That, that tickles my um, ears, that um, is that makes me feel good. That that is a nice place to be. That's the way most people choose churches. They're choosing places where or, or groups of people where they will get their needs met. And then when they don't like it, they'll go find someplace else that will. We tend to we we all follow someone, but we tend to choose poorly. Um. Number two, second reality is that we naturally follow upside-down people. Our natural tendency, our human tendency, our sinful tendency, our selfish tendency is to choose people in the wrong way. Um, who are your uh, audience participation? Who were your heroes when you were growing up? Dad? Mom? Grandma, Superman, Batman, right? Baseball players, or, you know, people who, who, you know, that people who dress like you wanted to dress, you know. You know, when we're little kids, we, we look at the outward to see what is popular, and we generally choose that way. And it usually gets us into trouble. Who, so think about who people are following these days. The, have you, um, I haven't seen a People magazine. Is that still around? People magazine still around? I haven't seen it for a long, long time, but I remember when it first came out. And you'd flip through the pages, and, you, and what, what, who were in there? I mean, not the names, but the kind of people. What, what was it that they would focus on? Stars. Movie stars, celebrities. What else? Sports stars. People with glitz and glamour and success of some kind. Um, in 1 John chapter 2, it says um, that we are supposed to avoid the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. That's like an outline for People magazine. Amen. Right? Pleasure, possessions, power, or position. And, and those are the people that we look up to. Those are the, the glitz and the glamour. Who in the world... The housewives of, of whatever, oh, seriously, that's what we want to spend our time on? Yet that is our human, selfish, sinful nature. We tend to choose people upside down. Now, as Christians, we wouldn't say that, but there's a thing now called celebrity pastors. Celebrity pastors. And prosperity preachers. And um, now, now some of the famous pastors are really good. And they didn't choose fame. In fact, as I had listened to interviews, they would prefer that they not even have it. 
because it limits them because there's so much attention. But if, but if we are choosing our spiritual um, nutrition because people have big stuff or, you know, have stuff, then we're choosing wrong. And yet it's easy to make that choice. So I put it, <clears throat> we naturally choose upside down. We need to remember that our context is always spiritual war. So the, the enemy is always trying to get you to follow people that are not following Christ. That's, we, and so we need to be careful. We need to be constantly watching because the enemy, we, our tendency is to follow. And so he says, I'm going to try to get them to follow the wrong people. Um, and so you see that scripture in Philippians chapter 2, verse 2. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. Why does he even have to say this? Is because our natural, sinful, selfish nature follows those who can really speak, can speak well. They're flashy. They, you know, they make you laugh. They're inspirational. All these kinds of things. But you have to look at the truth, and we'll see that in a minute. Satan deliberately lures us with false teachers and leaders. He deliberately lures us because we all are meant to follow. And so he tries to get us to follow the wrong people so that they send us on this trajectory and we end up, instead of at the ball field, at a fence with a field and nothing. No, no uh, content. So the Excuse me, the devil is constantly, deliberately attempting to lead us away from Christ. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, Beware of false prophets, Jesus said, who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Have you ever thought about that passage? They come to you in sheep's clothing. In other words, they come to you looking like they belong to Jesus. He's the great shepherd, right? We're the sheep. So even pastors are sheep under the shepherd. And they come intentionally making themselves look good, look like they belong, but in, in reality, they want to steal, kill, and destroy because they are motivated by the enemy. 2 Peter chapter 2. Turn your Bible there. 2 Peter chapter 2. And what I discovered as I was digging into this a little bit is, is Jesus, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle Peter, John, in all of their letters, it's like, without fail, in almost every New Testament book, there's some kind of warning or identification of false teachers. That means it's a big deal. Because the, those who we follow determine the trajectory of where we end up. 2 Peter chapter 2, false teachers... But false teachers also arose among the people, just as there will be false teachers among you. Now, if that isn't sobering, I don't know what is. False teachers among you. In other words, Satan is always trying to covertly uh, insert himself among the sheep in ways that will cause us to be led astray. Who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, 
even denying the master who bought them, bringing upon themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their sensuality. Here we go. If it feels good, we're drawn to it. Um, boy, I could say a lot right now. And because of, the, because of them, the way of truth will be blasphemed. They will come in with, as ravenous wolves, instead of being, and even using the name of Jesus, but leading people astray and blaspheming his name. And in their greed, see, there's their motivation to get what they want instead of what Jesus wants. They will exploit you with false words. Their condemnation from long ago is not idle. Their destruction is not asleep. So we naturally follow those upside down. There will always be, because we live in spiritual warfare, Satan is always trying, he will try, he's trying to use every trick possible to get us not to follow Jesus. And after we've been Christians for a while, the, the blatant ones, the in-your-face ones, don't work as well. And so he has to get more subtle and try to just gradually lead us astray. And all he has to do is get to about one click off trajectory. And then you end up out in a field facing a fence when you're looking for a ball field. Which brings us to number three. <clears throat> we must deliberately choose to follow right side up. We must be diligent and persevering and um, asking hard questions and looking deeply and not assuming anything. And so I, let me just say, I, I've known pastors over the years who were on track. They were on track for years. And something happened and they got just a little bit off and the trajectory went sideways. And eventually they began to lead people astray. Many, uh, oftentimes, the, the, uh, the ones that we would think are nuts, you know, or who are saying, come join me on a mountain because September 22nd, Jesus is coming back. Didn't start that way. But somehow, somewhere along the way, they got the trajectory off. So let me, that's why I say to you, do not follow me unless I'm following Christ. Even, I know you love me and you believe in me and you trust me, but I'm telling you, Satan will try to lure us astray. That's why we have governance board, leadership team, and that's why I tell you, if you ever hear anything come out of my mouth that doesn't sound right, challenge me on that. Because it's not about me, it's about Jesus. And we have to be humble enough to say, yeah, you know, I got that wrong. So... very first congregation that I pastored in Nantigua, Pennsylvania. At the end of the service, I stood up, um, and there's, uh, there's a, a hymn in the Church of God written by the Gaithers called, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. Amen. And so I said, let's stand and sing, I'm so glad I'm a fart in the family of God. <laughs> now, <clears throat> I didn't mean for that to come out of my mouth. I wasn't even officially ordained yet. So there were some... <laughs> it just came out of my mouth. That can happen. 
If anything comes out of my mouth that is misunderstood, you, any, that comes out of anybody's mouth, we need to say, wait a minute, I'm not sure that is exactly right. So my desire is not for you to be a fart <laughs> in whatever a family is. But that came out. See how easy it is? Because we can, if, it, if, it's, if it's not that obvious, we can hear things that we have to go back to the Word of God. So let's, very quickly... We must deliberately choose to follow right side up. Um, we, must, we must be diligent. We, we need to be, um, oh, what's the word? Instead of just naive, we need to be, what's the opposite of naive? Diligent, perseverant. Um, discerning, there's the word. Um, asking hard questions, critical thinking. So Jesus, Paul, Peter, and John prioritized the leadership issue. <clears throat> In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, this needs to be the heart cry of every Christian leader, teacher, pastor, evangelist. Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Follow, in other versions it says, follow me as I follow Christ. If you don't see Christ, then don't follow if you see something that isn't Christ-like, challenge. Ask questions. Because if there's humility, they'll go, oh, maybe I got it wrong. I need to look at that. Um, so let's go back to Matthew chapter 7. Look it up in your, your Bible there. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. This is in the context of Jesus' manifesto, his Sermon on the Mount, where he lays out, here are the major themes that I want you to get while I'm on earth. Who you follow is a big deal. Matthew seven fifteen. Beware the false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. In other words, look at what they're producing. Don't look at the glitz. Don't look at the glamour. Don't look at how talented they are, how able they are, how good they look. Don't look at uh, whether it, it makes you feel good, whether it, it keys into your desires. Don't look at any of that. The fruit. The fruit. What is the fruit? Um, he says in verse 18, a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down, thrown in the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not every, and so here he goes. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone who sounds good. Not everyone who bigs, builds a big building. Not everyone who has great programs. Not everyone who looks like they're doing good things. Not every, and, and notice what he says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. The fruit is, are they doing what God wants them to do? Are they bearing the fruit that Jesus bore? On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not, notice, prophesy in your name? Cast out demons in your name? 
and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Jesus doesn't deny the fact that they're doing those things. So the fruit is not, are they prophesying in Jesus' name? Are they doing miracles? Are they That's not the fruit. The fruit is, are they speaking and living as Jesus did? And I see in our culture, in our society, when somebody is doing great things for God, we think, oh, well, they must be of God. But then if you dig in underneath, you realize, no, there's no humility there. They're all about them. They're not pointing people to Christ. They're not peace-loving. They're not serving the poor and living in such a way that they're using their resources to help other people. But they're doing great things. They may even be casting out demons, but they don't know Jesus. So here we find in Philippians, go back to Philippians chapter 2, in what appears to be a rabbit hole is actually an outline of what to look for. It's not an exhaustive list, but by highlighting Timothy and Epaphroditus, he says, here's what we need to be looking for in the people that we follow. Whether it's preachers, teachers, authors um, in the Christian world. We, we can't control what people do that aren't following Christ, right? But here we have Christ-like qualities to look for. The fruit that Jesus... It's not what they say or claim, but it's what they do that reveals. So it's character, but character that is revealed in their behavior. Philippians chapter 2, look at verse, beginning with verse 19. They're dependable. They're true representatives. Verse 19, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. I want to send Timothy to you. I, I know that you need somebody to encourage you and to help you, and, and I would rather have Timothy with me because he's helpful to me. But if we go back a few verses, he says, my, my desire is for you to grow in the Lord more than for me to be comforted, comforted by him. Verse 23, jump down to verse 23. I hope, therefore, to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me, and I trust the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. He says they're dependable. If they, they, if they say something, they do it. That's just character, right? If they, you can, they, and they truly represent the truth. They're not after their, their own accolades. They're not after themselves, but they're, they, they want to be dependable to Christ and to other people. Love. Love. They, are, they have a genuine concern for others. Verse 20. He says about Timothy, for I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. He says, he loves you just like I love you. And he, he won't come wanting to get things out of you, but he wants to pour his life into you. He wants you to know Christ more. He wants you to experience what God has for you. Following close on the heels is selfless. Being selfless seeks the interests of Christ, not their own. As we're looking for leaders and teachers, we need to look for those who are not about them, their own interests, 
Verse 21, for they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. Do you remember our memory verse? He, he challenges us to seek the interests of others as more significant than our own. That's a selfless person. And you know what? That's a rare person, isn't it? Even in leaders. Because we can excuse so many things. We can take advantage in so many different ways when we are seeking our own interests. And the next one is someone who's proven. Um, in another passage of Scripture, it says, don't put people into leadership positions who are new Christians because they haven't had a chance to prove themselves. And so he says, but you know Timothy's proven worth in verse 22. You know Timothy's proven worth, how as a son with a father, he has served me in the gospel. He has served alongside Paul, and he's, he's, not, he's, he's shown himself, he's proven himself to be worthy of leadership. The next one, available. A person who will go where they're sent, regardless of cost or danger. Verse uh, 23 and 24, I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. He's willing to go. Timothy was willing to go. I, I can imagine Timothy wanting to stay with Paul. He, he's his father in the faith. He wants to stay with Paul to serve him because Paul is the one that's in prison. Paul can't get around like he, you know, he wants to. He needs somebody to be there. And I can imagine Timothy wanting to go, but he was willing to go. In our, in our devotional book, My Utmost for His Highest, here's Oswald Chambers who was training pastors and missionaries. And he, he challenges them over and over again. It's not about where you want to go. It's not about great positions. It's about going where God wants you to go. Amen. And then all in is the last one. All in. Willing to not only go where God wants them to go, no matter the cost or danger, but to die for Christ. I want you to think about that for a minute. Willing to die for the cause of Christ. Verse 25, I've thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother. Remember, he was originally from the city of Philippi, probably a lay leader, who, who delivered things for them. And fellow worker, fellow soldier, your messenger and minister to my need, for he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. So he's sick in Rome, and he's more concerned about the, his brothers and sisters in Christ in Philippi being worried about him because he was sick than being sick. Why? Because he wasn't looking out for his own interests. He was, his heart was big for others. So it wasn't about himself. Verse 27, indeed he was ill, near to death. He almost died. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. It would have been hard for me to have him die, because I love him and I care for him, and I'm already in prison. He nearly died, jump down to verse 30, he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. A willingness to die. Did you know none of us Pastors, teachers, lay people, we're not here forever. And it's hard for us to let go. It's been, it, uh, we're coming up on a year when our brother EJ passed away. It was hard to let him go. 
even though we know he's celebrating in heaven, I mean, he got his reward, we didn't want him to go. We miss his laugh. We miss his, his, what he, the value that he added. We don't want him to go. And yet, we have to be willing to do that. How are you supposed to treat them? Verse 29. Now, here, here's what I find interesting. He says in verse 29, So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men. The, the people who should be honored the most are usually those who shy away from it the most. Oh, we want to honor you today. Oh, no, no, no. Let's, let's do something else. Why? Because they recognize it's only because of Christ. It's nothing that they've done. It's just the Christ flowing through them. So if people want you to celebrate them, that's a clue. How are we to treat such people? Welcome them as a dear friend. Receive him in the Lord with all joys. Welcome him home. I think maybe Paul was a little bit concerned that when he got back, they would think Epaphroditus had abandoned Paul. Oh, he left his post to come home. So he wanted him to know, no, 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 no. He almost died for you. Honor him. Welcome him as a dear friend and then honor him. And it doesn't say how to honor. It doesn't say that. It just says to honor them. Who you follow will determine where you go. Right? Who you follow will determine where you go. When we, uh, when my daughter Amber did a semester abroad in Ireland, Taylor University organized a parents' week, so we got to go over and be with her for a week. And on one of the days, um, she was free from class, and they said, "We want your kids to show you around and what they've been experiencing." And and so Amber was bound and determined that she was going to take the initiative and lead us to places in Dublin. They, they were at a place called Greystones. I think it was about an hour north of Dublin. She was going to take Shill and I to Dublin, to the to places where she had gone, so that we could kind of experience what she... And I said, Amber, you want me to help you figure it? No, no, no. She was insistent as a freshman in college that she was going to take charge because she wanted to be responsible as an adult, to take us to the places where she wanted to. And so we got on the, the tram and we went to Dublin and wandered around Dublin for the next eight hours. <laughs> Not able to find half of what she wanted to show us. And she was getting more frustrated and we were getting more frustrated. And I was trying to make her feel better. And, but my legs were starting to hurt because we were walking around Dublin. And then all, and finally we got back way late. Every place was closed, but this greasy fish and chips place by where the, and we brought it back and she's in tears and we're trying to comfort her. And she wanted so much to take us to the place, but she couldn't find those places. And she refused to ask for help. And we just followed along because we wanted to let her have responsibility. She had the purest motive. She sincerely wanted to take us, but we didn't get to go where we wanted to go. 
People can have good motives, but if they're not living in truth, they'll take you, not to Jesus, but to some other place. Because the devil is sly, and he'll arrange it. We have to be diligent. Who are you following? Who, who are you reading? Who are you listening to? Who are you following on social media? Who are you following? Because we're all following somebody. Be diligent. Be careful. Use these criteria. Dig in. Would you bow your heads? What jumped out at you today as we talked? And why did God make it jump out? Do you need to change who you're following? Do you need to stop reading some people? Or, do, or maybe you just need to do a little more investigation into who they are. Because they can look good from a distance. But maybe they're not right on track. Are you allowing the desires of this life to determine who you're following? They make me feel good. They're interesting. But are they like Christ? Are they leading you to the truth? And what does he want you to do with it? What stuck out? Why did it stick out? And what does he want you to do with it? Lord, I pray that you would, as good soldiers, make us diligent. Give us the, the revelation of your spirit to see what is true and real. And give us the courage to, and, and the willingness to put in all the work we need to in order to be fully on track. God, I pray that you would reveal in each one of us place, any places where our hearts are not completely yours. Where we can be pulled away from your trajectory. And lead us to surrender. We put ourselves in your hands, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.